Hey, I'm Drew. And I'm Tim. And this is the Hearts and Hands Podcast. Season 4, Episode 18, we have a roundtable discussion about creating a culture of volunteerism. Welcome to another episode of the Hearts and Hands podcast. I'm your host, Drew Sonnenberg, joined as always by my co-host, Tim Babbler. And Tim, this roundtable we have this week got started uh, based on some conversations we had on a monthly call that you and I are on with a bunch of other worship leaders, right? Yeah, so we've got a wide variety of people serving anywhere from completely volunteer to uh, full-time paid staff. Uh, churches that are literally just starting to churches that have been doing contemporary worship for over two decades. And it's easy to be like, cool, well, I'm going to check out now because I'm not a worship leader. So this episode's not for me. But this episode is not just about worship leading. Yeah, it it started with a, a problem that was raised at one of our most recent calls about how to find volunteers or how to get people plugged into like very specific roles, like running the soundboard or like <laughs> playing drums or something like that. But I was really pleased with the direction this conversa- conversation ended up taking with our guests, uh, Mike Westendorf and Danny Wagner, uh, because we didn't end up talking a lot about music or about uh, about sound engineering or anything like that. We talked a lot more about church culture and things like that and about working with people and skills and strengths and things like that. So I'm excited for all of you to hear this. It's a pretty long round table, so we're going to break it into two parts for you, but let's get to the first part now. All right. Today, we are excited to have another roundtable discussion here on the podcast, and we are joined by two guests. We are joined by our friends, Mike Westendorf and Danny Wagner. Welcome, guys. Hey, thanks for having us. For our listeners who may be less familiar with each of you, could you briefly introduce yourselves? We'll have you start, Mike. I am um, the Director of Worship Operations at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Muskego, Wisconsin. I oversee really all elements of of operating um, our worship services. We speak two worship languages. Uh, We have the traditional services, and when we have our bridge services, which are I would say more modern contemporary, uh, a stage lights full band. Uh, but then I, again, I help um, organize and, and oversee all of our traditional ministries. So that's strings and choirs and uh, ensembles, things of that nature. And then um, uh, I've been a touring artist for uh, since about 2004. So I've been a singer songwriter, uh, which has given me a chance to work with a lot of different churches around the country. And uh, the fun fact is I'm a meteorologist. I work with, uh, the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee for for 13 years. I'm still with them on an advisory, but I'm a meteorologist. So I learned some of my stuff, believe it or not, that we'll talk about today from that. Excellent. How about you, Danny? Yeah, I'm the uh, the worship arts director and creative arts director at uh, North Cross Church in Lakeville, Minnesota. Been doing that for uh, on staff for seven years now already, um, and Really, my job, it's changed a little bit now. We just hired a, a tech director full-time as well. So um, I used to be kind of overarching worship and tech, everything from um, running a worship team here to sound guy to broadcast to really, you know, you know the whole, the whole, the whole gambit. 
to now I really focus on worship, um, the environment within worship, whether that's what's on the screen, the lighting. And then I do a ton of the um, behind the scenes uh, creative work in terms of graphics and uh, anything in-house we do, uh, video creation, really, I still do. So, yeah. One of the reasons that we wanted to have this roundtable discussion is um, Drew and I hear from a lot of different uh, worship musicians, worship directors, uh, worship leaders in general who struggle with this problem of identifying, recruiting, and training specifically new members for the worship team, especially those who are much younger. And it's difficult, this process of how do I train the next generation of worshipers and worship leaders? Because we all got into this in very different ways. And that way doesn't necessarily exist anymore for a lot of people. So I just wonder if you could start by speaking to your process of, if you have a training system in place, what does that look like? And if not, what do you do to pour into these younger leaders to give them um, just the training they need to become worship leaders? Define for us what a worship leader is. You're asking me a loaded question, Mike. I know. That's why if we're going to give you an answer, I figured I better ask that one. For the purpose of this discussion, a worship leader is someone who is, I was going to say leading worship. No, a worship a worship leader is someone who's responsible for, mm, wow. Is it, is it like, I guess, my, let me put it this way. Is it, are we talking about the, the band leader, worship leader, like from a music, music standpoint? So are we focusing on, on the musician and the, the upfront person first or? Yes. Yes. Let's start with the, the person who's literally the upfront music leader, whether it's for a weekend or for the entire ministry. Well, I, I can, I'll share a little bit of, of my experience. I, yeah, I forgot to mention before this in my, in my previous job description is that before I became on staff here, I started a music school. So I've been a music teacher for nine years or something like that. Um, and for the, I, I don't do it a ton anymore to clarify, but um, what that, it was called Wagner Music Academy. And, and I set out with this goal of teaching kids, but anybody really how to, how to play music, especially for uh, within in church and serving in their ministries. That was a really intense one-on-one like weekly lesson way to teach people. And one thing that came out of that is, is we gained a handful, five, six, seven, maybe young people that served primarily throughout their high school time on a, a pretty regular basis at our church now which was awesome and and they were very gifted individuals they served our church well they had a passion for it um and i'll say the trade-off with doing something like that is it's an extremely like it takes a ton of time a from like i started really young with some of these kids like third fourth grade so then you know by the time they're ready i might have four years invested in them already and then they you know i've I just had a, had a kid who um, kind of went off to college now, and he's finally out of my serving at our church. But with that approach, too, like there's a there's a time limit on how long they might be able to serve at your church, which is fine. But I'll say just to put a bow on, on that approach, um, say say you're, you, you're going to start some sort of music school at your church to train musicians. It can be awesome. It's, it's very fulfilling, and they can serve – some of my people serve a lot, but there's going to be a massive time 
investment from whoever's running that. And one thing I ran into with, with doing that is I just, at a certain point, I just couldn't teach that much anymore because of my responsibilities at the church. So that's one unique way to bring people in. And then I can, I'll let Mike go and then I can come back and we can talk about like our systems now, but yeah. No, again, I, I kind of came up self-taught uh, as as an as an artist. You know, I, I think that that's something that is it actually benefits uh, benefits me because when you go out, you kind of have to own your your music ministry. You have to figure out the ways that it it works, how you make a connection with an uh, with an audience or with a congregation in different settings, and that was a skill that wound up helping me then help musicians lean in to what we were doing. I could give them the, a reason why. And so when it comes to, to worship leaders, there's a couple of things that I think that are, are important, uh, spiritual and, and technical. For us here, these are typically people who have kind of come up playing with us, um, but, but people who exhibit a... Um, a joy for playing. I th- now this is this is not this is not concrete, but I do think that it's helpful as a worship leader if you play guitar primary, just because it's so much more portable and upfront, or keyboard. Uh, I think that when you can control something about the making of the music and you can give direction to that, it just gives you a a, a little bit more capacity to lead. That's that, that you have some way to practice that, you know, so whether you're playing on the keys or you're playing a guitar, um, that, that really is, uh, is a helpful thing. It's not, it's not a absolutely, because I know there's a lot of smaller congregations who are going like, if I have a guitar player, I'm thrilled. I think that it's really important to give them a vision for what it is that we do. And there's a couple of cultural mantras that we talk to as far as the worship leaders are concerned. And I try to remind myself that it's not about a performance. Our job is to give the people a song to sing. And if you think about that, it kind of frames the job description a little bit. You don't have to be Chris Tomlin or Rebecca St. James or, you know, name your Christian artist, or, or uh, maybe if you're in the classical space, uh, 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 this excellent soloist that you heard when you were in college, you know, you don't have to be all of that because your job is not to perform. It's to give them a song to sing. So it, it frames that. And then as a worship leader, part of, I think what our job really is, is just understanding that through the liturgy or through your service order, the songs that you do, the transitions that you make, the places where you might say something, if the pastor uh, gives you a place to talk about the song, that all of this is leading so that you understand that everybody comes in as individuals having everybody has a different week, different stressors. Everybody's kind of coming in, but we leave as an us. And through the whole of that, from the liturgy to the Bible readings, to the message, to the music that we play, when you hit that final chorus, you can hear that we're an us and to wrestle with how do we get there. And so uh, we've, we've kind of laid out some ways to do that, um, some benchmarks or some cultural things that we look for. Uh, and then that can really help our worship leaders feel like they know what it means to lead worship. Yeah, Mike, to, to piggyback off that, we've had a lot of really awesome musicians come through North Cross, and we've been blessed by really talented 
individuals, which is awesome. Like it, it, and and of course, as anybody that is leading worship, you want them to be skilled in doing so and do it well. But but making skill or excellence something above somebody's spiritual journey and and what they're in their faith and their priority. If they're if that is if you're bringing in musicians strictly because they're a good musician, but their faith life is, I mean, it's, it's totally fine if they're struggling with something and they're on a path to, to, to do strengthening that. But if, if there, there is something extremely important about the people that are on that stage are people that have hearts for Jesus. And I think in my, you know, first years, I, I just wanted, I, like, I wanted to serve Jesus, but I wanted to play really good music. <laughs> and no matter what would, would, would move people and just be so, but the most important part of our job and the people that we're serving is that when they go home or they, or, or they, they're carrying Jesus with them every day and they're, they themselves are having that encouragement that when we come to worship together, that they're not only outpouring um, for the congregation, their faith and, and, and serving, serving God and doing that, but, they feel that they're being poured into as well. And I don't know. Priority number one in any volunteer you're trying to, you just, we need to minister to those, those uh, volunteers and those, those servants of God and make sure that that's the primary reason they're there and that, that God is, is, they know God is for them, that Jesus is for them. So that's number one. And if we aren't hitting that check mark, that's, I don't know. I think everything else kind of falls by the wayside. I would I would add to it too, just to understand that I think that there's a difference between a worship leader and some of the people who are on the team. Um, that spiritual maturity uh, is important. Uh, one of the things that I I mean I honestly wrestle with is uh, some of my people, some of my leaders. I just wish were more spiritually mature. Now I'm saying that as somebody who's at this time 48, worked in church or been around church most of my life, and there's a whole bunch of people that didn't get what I had you know, to be there. So I think the biggest question that I'm, I'm now trying to wrestle with, are you on the journey? Are you, are you growing? And part of that's my responsibility as, as this, in my, my role and my position with my team is if I have leaders, are they being spiritually supported by me and by the church? Do they know that there is a, uh, particularly because it's a leadership thing, because now this is, this is a first and second Timothy, you know, there is an expectation um, you're not just going up there and singing songs real pretty. You are proclaiming and helping the church proclaim the word. And I, 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 I need you to be on the journey of spiritually maturing, just like I am, because I'm not there yet. But are we maturing so that the songs I pick, I have some understanding of the theological pitfalls that I may need to speak into? Or this is reason why we're not singing that song on the radio or uh, why we're doing a hymn this week instead. Uh, I mean, all of those things are helpful. And I can't expect that all my younger people are going to get that. So am I walking with them? And are they willing to let me walk with them? If they are, worship leader. If they're not, or if they're they're kind of trying to still figure some of this out, I'm still trying to figure them out. I'm going to be really careful about asking them to, you know, be a worship leader and speak from a place of authority on the platform, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that does kind of naturally transition to what Danny was gonna steer towards, which is you wanna you wanna be identifying these these candidates that 
are on that path, like Mike was saying. But like, how do you start? Where do you uh, come to identify this is someone that I'm going to walk along with on this path? That's a good question. And it's, it's, I don't know that y'all was know that right away um, and working with somebody. There's certain individuals I worked with that I, you know, like I had one, one of the kids I taught to play from day one, he knew, he told me, his, actually his mom came to me and said, he's in, he was in fourth grade at the time. And she said, he wants to do what you do and be a worship director someday. And I was like, excuse me, like a fourth grader knows this and that's what he wants to do. I was kind of, that was amazing. I was a meteorologist when I was six years old. So, yeah. so that's happen. awesome. So <laughs> if, if you have those individuals, you oh. You are blessed. That is awesome. Um, that is not my experience with most of my people. So that, that does happen. But we we get people from all different places in their lives. And, and that's just in ministry. You have people that are coming from um, a place of they're, they're really solid in their faith or somebody that's just gone through something really serious and they're struggling and wrestling in their faith. And there is something about no matter where they're at, being able to, one, um, get to know that person and get to serve with that person. And I think like we talked about the, the key in that, whether they they have a mustard sized uh, faith or it's a huge, big faith, are they walking on that journey? If they are, or they're striving to, and that doesn't mean they're not going to have challenges and hardships and go through really, you know, like things where you, we, we're going to have to speak to each other in brotherly, brotherly love about, but if they're on that path with you. It, makes all the difference in the world really and because we've had you know there's been instances on our teams where they might be an awesome musician but when i when i speak with them in their regular lives their their faith life is just it's wandering and what what tends to happen in that either they'll stick with you for a long enough period of time and we'll we'll fill the weekend and we'll have musicians and that's great fine but what ultimately we'll do is they'll they'll potentially start to pull away and then you'll lose not only the musician at your church, but you could also lose them in their own faith life. And that's terribly scary. Cause if, if you, if we've then prioritized the wrong thing, you know, in the first place. And yeah, I'm kind of just doubling up on what we said, that priority of, of this is a spiritual thing to do. It's, it's a spiritual journey. A number one. So going over back to, okay, how do we identify people for, for serving here at North Cross. I am never assuming they're going to walk that, that journey with us. I, there's kind of a few different methods. One, any, say any musician that's coming in, they want, they say, I play bass, I do whatever I meet up. I meet with them one-on-one, see where they're at. And sometimes they're ready to be plugged in right away. And away we go. And the way we do things on the weekends, we, we kind of bring a lot of, devotion time in we bring a lot of spiritual aspects to before we even start playing that hopefully there's ministry happening in their lives i think that you know there's there's probably a couple of different kinds of people i think that there's people who are who play an instrument whether it's singing or or, or literally an instrument and again for those of you who do traditional pieces of things i'm i'm thinking about those groups too some of those people uh, are Jesus people. They have a level of spiritual maturity and they want to be able to contribute because they, they've they been a part of groups and, and they see, you know, I think if you as a music leader are, are pursuing excellence, which we can talk about separately, I think that's an important topic, but 
not perfection, but you have the space to breathe and to fail forward. And so you're pursuing excellence. Um, those kinds of people are attracted to be a part of a church because they believe that their skills will be respected and utilized well. So there, there's, there's that group of people. And then there's another group of people who, I mean, if we're all honest, that platform's pretty cool. You know, there is a part of it that makes me feel good. You know, there is the, the, the space where the sinful nature says, ooh, if I'm up there, people might like me. And in fact, if you're a pastor, they all struggle with this too, that, you know, let my words not be my words, but your words, Lord, because I know I bring part of my sinful nature into this pulpit, you know. So understanding that, um, especially for younger people, what they see is the platform and that they don't know much more about that. So they actually need somebody to be walking alongside them to understand that. I think sometimes we think that, well, when you're spiritually mature enough to come and be a part of this, then we'll talk and they'll never get there because nobody's going to show them how to deal with that heart that needs to be transformed. So a lot of times um, what I, what we'll do, um, I don't have a really sophisticated uh, tryout process. It really is in the secular world. Are they a good hang? Are they just good people to be around? Uh, do they genuinely enjoy community? Can they function with, within a group? Because a band is like, you know, if you're actually touring band, it's like being married to five different people at the same time. And all of us who are married, you know, God said just one for a reason. <laughs> so are you a good hang? You know, are you a good people person? Because if you are, then then I have a chance to do some discipling. Then, then uh, bring your instrument. And uh, here's the chord chart. Can you play? We just, we'll leave them unplugged if they're not comfortable playing, but we we have a culture of make loud mistakes so because um, we can fix them faster. Then we'll get a really quick read on where they are at. We have a couple people who do lessons in our group, or I know people who do guitar lessons or drum lessons. Um, we have the advantage of something like a Wisconsin Lutheran High School where you can find out people who can get lessons. So we don't have to get them, but if they're not there yet, we can give them a path toward lessons. And then it's on my it's on my plate, and this is something that I don't I don't do well all the time, and it's one of the things that I'm talking to our my other worship leader partners is we want our bands to be a community group, a small group, and for that to be a small group, it has to be more than a jam session. And at least for me, my definition would be: Is God's word being proclaimed? Are we able to pray together, and are we vulnerable enough to share prayer requests? That might not be there for everybody, but if, when you get there, you know that you have a spiritual maturity in the group. And then if somebody else isn't on, on that path yet or not very far along, they get to see it modeled. And then we can mentor them. The relationship is built um, initially on music, but they start to see Danny to the point. A kid might come and say, I really want the platform. But then the Holy Spirit starts to work on them and they see something in you. And they say, I don't know what's inside you, but I want what's inside you. And so setting up a culture in a, in a path that allows for those two kinds of people to be successful, it requires intentionality, but that, that's kind of how we've, I would say, fallen into it. I don't think I said, here's, my, here's what we're going to do. It's more my personality of getting people involved. As I kind of was thinking through my process and talking about it, I was kind of thinking in my head, I'm like, well, I don't know how specific we've been on. It's it's quite similar to yours, Mike, in that 
it's it's pretty organic in how I bring people on on, on with us. Like the first thing I said, like when we've we've had a culture of what, yeah, not perfection, but doing things well, trying to be excellent in what we do. And that in and of itself has brought us most of our musicians. I actually, you know, aside from when I've kind of tried to, to promote doing lessons or something like that, I don't, most of the names I get to bring, you know, either they approach me on a Sunday or somebody brings them up to me, somebody, you know, so it's all word of mouth type of stuff. And, and, and you know, and then I, I reach out to them from there, but I'm not, I don't find people, I, I don't even think I've ever really found anybody just you know, I'm really, really digging. Um, and, and part of the reason for that is doing things well naturally kind of attracts people that if you are a musician, you tend to want to play with good musicians. Yep. And so frankly, like I don't even call, I don't even have an audition process. I, I'd say, I call it an, come, come meet, meet with me. We'll have coffee. Yeah. I, I call it an interview, I guess, but it's really just like, come hang out, yep. get to know me. We're going to play through a song or two. I'm going to make sure you can play some chords and I can plug you in. And then we're going to work on each other. When I see you when I, at, here, and then we'll maybe have some one-on-ones. If, if somebody is like really close, I'll just meet with them every other week for a month or two. If they're that close already, and then I'll plug them in. And then they'll start the amount of like, they just start to usually blossom once their comfort level starts to establish with being with the group of people and some of our best friends are some of my best friends are on the worship team well um and a lot of that just happens from you know the time we get to hang out on the weekends we spend a lot of time together on the weekends we spend every weekend ask seven hours of our musicians that's a lot of time um because we have saturday we have rehearsal at three we're, we're there from three to six and then they're there on, on a saturday and they're there from seven thirty to eleven thirty. so we spent a ton of time with each other and if you don't if we don't like each other first and <laughs> foremost it's hard you're not gonna want to be there and then two it's you're not gonna have longevity with that volunteer in the first place so one there, there's this sense of friendship and everything too that goes hand in hand with it from there if that's a thing then the other real big thing is walking with them in their faith life which it's one thing to just be a friend to somebody and not not minister to them that well then it's to be a friend and figure out how to minister them to them each weekend or outside of the weekends just as 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 you would to any of your friends how are you speaking jesus to them because they're going through the same struggles that we do every single week so that wraps it up for the first half of our roundtable with Mike and Danny. Uh, stay tuned next week as we give you the second half of that roundtable discussion. They've got lots more great thoughts and insights to share with all of you. I'm excited for you all to hear them. As always, if you have people you want to hear from, questions you want answers to, or you just want to tell us about the cool thing you're working on, we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out to us at heartsandhandspodcast at gmail.com. And you can also find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash hearts and hands podcast. We appreciate the support we receive there. And again, be sure to tune in next week for the rest of our conversation. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.